Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. His whole life is making this one film. You you have two hours tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and be an extra in a film. You get your name on the credits, man, as a producer. All of the extras have just fell through, except for Mike Shank right there. We used to uh, do a lot of partying together, but I don't party anymore. <laughs> hey, Mike, make sure everyone has brown gloves. Does everyone have brown gloves? Oh, dude, dude, dude. I'm broke, man. I gotta get gas tomorrow. And dude's talking about making a feature film. Uh, the name of the film is Coven. Coven! Coven! Uh, Coven, uh, that's the proper pronunciation. No, no. Coven sounds like oven, man, and that's just, it doesn't work. She wants to be in your film, Bill. Oh my gosh. You get your three grand back. Check it out when you look at the scarecrows. Oh. I mean, you get it? Within weeks, the film will be cut, finished for multiple sales. What do you think about that? Multiple sales to who? We get to see Americans and American dreams, and you won't walk away depressed after seeing this. This whole thing is turning into a theatrical mockery. Do you understand that, Mike? No. <laughs> well, you will. Would you buy this movie for $14.95? Hell yeah, man. I if I can find 3,000 people like you across this country, man, I'm in business. <laughs> So I felt a little dishonest, you know, going along with you when you said that I that I may have seen the movie within the movie that's being profiled here in American okay. movie with, with, you know, so so this film, you know, is a documentary by Chris Smith and he's documenting a, a filmmaker named Mark Borchardt, uh, who is, is attempting to make an independent horror film on his own with, with no money in, you know, 1997 or so. And so the movie within the movie is called uh, Coven. And, 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 you know, it's really funny because there, there are, you know, people in the documentary who, uh, who tell him that, no, it's not pronounced Coven, it's pronounced Coven. And, um, uh, finally, so I, I, it, so what is the right pronunciation, Dennison? <laughs> I've always heard Coven as far as, uh, you know, a reference to a coven of witches or something of that nature. And he is, he is making a horror film, but 
you know, who am I to to question the uh, the artur here, the artur in making? <laughs> so, it, it, you know, it's his bag. It's his, and you know what? I'm definitely not going to uh, correct him when I, I you know spend what ninety you know just over ninety minutes uh, with him uh, struggling to get you know even this short film made. Uh, so yeah, he, he can call it whatever he wants. It's his money. It's like uh, Kevin Smith, like his reasoning uh, in an interview he gave or one of his specials of, of playing Silent Bob was if he was going to go into massive credit card debt, he at least wanted to see himself on screen as he was paying that off you know, for the rest of his life. So yeah, it can be Coven. That's fine with me. So yeah, so you brought up Kevin Smith and we, we've talked about him before uh on on a few of our episodes just because in terms of being like the you know the one of the 90s breakout independent successes as a filmmaker um and so we've also had a lot of discussions about like like what this this made me think of our discussion on bowfinger about you know a guy who who is you know a charlatan (laughs) leading people along to make uh his his movie um you know and Mm -hmm. i i you know i had a strong uh, found well, him repulsive. Yeah, I found I, I had a strong dislike to that character uh, <laughs> this time around, and, and, and I did not with with Mark Borchardt, okay. even though he definitely does things that are questionable and and wrong at, at times. Um, you know, one of the most famous scenes here, he's trying to. Uh, ha- there's a scene where he's filming a scene where he is uh, shoving a guy's head into a kitchen cabinet and the cabinet has been scored on the back, but not by enough. And so he's banging the guy's head into this kitchen cabinet over and over again, trying to get it to break. (laughs) And then they eventually give up and have to score it some more, Um, you know, so potentially really hurting this guy. Uh, And um, Borchardt on the, on the commentary on the DVD expressed like, you know, a lot of remorse about (laughs) Uh, that you know that decision, um, and so so it's interesting. I just uh, I wonder why I empathize more with this guy than I do with Steve Martin's character in Bowfinger. Perhaps part of it is that you know I definitely definitely believe him as a real person. A lot of times in documentaries, you you do have to question. Uh, to, you know, to to what degree are they be are they being you know are they documenting their their subject faithfully? Um, mm. You know, here I never I never question it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I mean, there's certainly enough. There's enough bad out there. There's enough material to, you know, to. I, I mean, I would say he's far worse than than Bowfinger at times. At least the way he's presented on screen. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he, he certainly has uh, a problem with alcohol, uh, which really only harms himself um, because it seems to to get in his own his own way of his creativity and finishing his projects. And so I actually like as I'm watching this, I'm very happy that he gives up on this, I guess, every man melodrama that he uh is wanting to make but he doesn't have the uh doesn't have the finances in place to make this feature length film so he's gonna complete this kind of throwaway uh you know coven uh short film that he can sell <laughs> in the age of uh videotapes i can't remember what his his equation is but he's got a certain number of tapes he's got to sell that he can make his money back and then maybe go on to produce his feature but you know if you're there, there's definitely uh you know certain scenes there's a there's a super bowl uh, scene where mm-hmm, he, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, what he's ranting about uh, is the the sort of lame, the lameness of his his father's life, 
and having like uh, a, a regular nine to five or a blue collar job uh, and being forgotten by everyone. Uh, and he's, he's, he will never be that. I think that's, those are his exact words. Like he'll, he'll never be his father. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that if you saw it and it was a, uh, fictional, if it was a narrative film, it would be one of the, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be a terribly written scene where you'd be like, God, this is fucking on the nose. And, uh, you know, I don't buy any of this. Uh, but since it's this guy and it's also this guy who's like been raised by like pop culture in a way, but he's not, I, I really dig that. It's not the normal, uh, you know, you, we've mentioned Scream uh, a number of times on this podcast, and so in the last episode that you brought up because we were talking about a horror film, but like, you know, the video store clerk, right, who like can only like relate to human experience through like movies he's seen, and he's usually fairly young, like white guy, uh, and it's like more modern sort of like pop culture references, but you rarely see a guy that looks like <laughs> this this director, mm-hmm. yeah, who looks like this, uh, who you know just struggles with with drinking and you know he's paying child support like you know he is a man child in a way uh but he he shares some of those sensibilities of like you know this angry young guy that can only relate to not only movies but uh having his name above the title so you know the interesting part of watching this film for me is how much you know i'm questioning how much of it is like his true passion and how much of it is is just like get out of jail free card so he doesn't he doesn't have to go to a shitty job of which he has a few in this film like while they follow him around the process of making this so I, it's one of those things that I, when i have rewatched it a few times i've never thought every time i come into it i think yeah this probably is not gonna be as like cool as i remember it or as interesting as i remember it but every time i i forget like how i guess i forget the like, the humanity of the film and of this character and all the different facets of him and i'm always really drawn into it it's funny because I think I forget um, how much of an underseen gem this this kind of is still to this day. Like I always just like because I've had so many friends over the years who you know who are who are film students or film buffs or or whatever. Uh, you know I'll hear people quote this all the time, and yet I have to be kind of. It, it's kind of like even just watching it now. It's kind of a reminder that the, that it really you, you know it, even despite winning you know, the grand jury prize, uh, for documentary at the Sundance film festival, which, which wouldn't mean much today, but was a big deal in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't get nominated for the Academy award. Uh, it, uh, it still, you know, it's, it's home video release is now 20 years old. Uh, you know, and so has, you know, has never gotten like a significant, uh, you know, resurgence, uh, on any like sort of platform or anything. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a staple in, uh, in, you know, in film school when, when I was growing up. And so, uh, I think what works about it in comparison to, to Bowfinger is I never feel like the, like, like the filmmakers here are, are forcing us to, to judge, uh, him one way or the other, uh, positively or negatively. And uh, I definitely fe- feel that with with you know the the uh, the, the fictionalized uh, y- you know non uh, the fictionalized you know not doc- non documentary uh, Bowfinger, um, but here like like you know we see him he, he does some stupid things he he he's also though very passionate and and driven and and is definitely um, able to get all these people to you, you know stick around him uh, despite you know, maybe their better judgment telling them otherwise. And there's something you, you, you kind of uh, respect about that, 
this this guy uh, uh, going after you know this stupid you know crazy dream and everything, um, despite all the horrible you know things he you know he does. And and the movie begins. I mean, you brought up Kevin Smith's, you know, you know growing into credit card debt. I mean, the movie basically like that's sort of like the, the you know the inciting incident here is him qualifying for this Mastercard and being able to put all this uh, like rack up all this debt uh, to to do this um, and, uh, and and losing his his car like right at the beginning of the film. I was a failure. I was a failure, and I get very sad and depressed about it. And I can't be that no more. I really feel like I've betrayed myself big time because I think when I, I know when I was growing up I had all the potential in the world now I'm, I'm back to being Mark who, who has a beer in his hand and is thinking about the great American script and the great American movie and this time I cannot fail I won't fail it's not in me you don't get second chances and mess them up you'd be a fool to not just finishing films or in the long run getting some money but it's right now I feel like it's like I said 5, 10, 15 years ago now I've got the same options again and this time I'm not going to fail this time it's most important not to fail just to drink and dream but rather to create and complete the movie isn't like a descent with him really it's no. sort of like like he, when we when the film starts you know he's already pretty far down <laughs> Yeah, and I, well, you know, to make it even more worse, I guess, is if you look at his, <laughs> like, IMDb profile. Uh, you know, you, you talked about how maybe this is not, this is not held uh, really, which is unfortunate uh, because I feel like around this time period, um, kind of Project Greenlight was happening around mm-hmm. this, right? So like nine nine two thousand. I feel, you know, I feel like that's when the the show started, which I know it was only on for a few seasons before they uh, <laughs> HBO stupidly. Attempted to bring it back, and uh, you know the 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 Twitter woke era, <laughs> where, where you are not going to get these celebrities uh, to say anything more on the record uh, for uh, for general, you know, or uh, not general, but Twitter audiences to consume and to uh, dissect. Um, well, it's funny that you say that because Matt Damon, I guess, did get like like under fire when they did try to try to bring right. it back for a fourth season uh, over, over saying something to, to a black film producer or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but go ahead. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. <laughs> uh, but you know, this, this is a far more successful season of project Greenlight as far. And it, it's because you're just like, all right, we're just going to like not interfere. We're going to see what your average guy or, you know, your, your blue collar worker, if, you know, if, given the chance and really he's only given the chance <laughs> you know his his project green light moment is just getting access to debt <laughs> to create debt uh you know what will he do and like what will he himself comp- compromise on uh and i much prefer prefer that but yeah when i look at his filmography i'm thinking like you know because some of these some of these guys like become you know they, they become sort of uh i'm trying to figure out a way to well i'll just go with the insulting way i guess they become like comic-con sort of famous you know, what I mean, like they, uh-huh. they don't, they don't. It's like they're more famous for for being infamous for like you know saying that silly thing, and then people kind of like go along with whatever their little their projects are. But it's not so much like the content they produce; it's just the force of their personality. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it worked out for him. I don't know if he just like was he just too early in that regard to to become like sort of like meme worthy or like some sort of like internet presence because I. And that's naive of me. I honestly would have thought if I pulled this up and I didn't before this recording, I thought like, well, he probably, you know, has got a YouTube channel and has made a bunch of other stuff like this. And it doesn't doesn't look like that's the case. Well, the other person that I thought about is uh, Tommy Wiseau. 
uh, who yeah. <laughs> you know makes his uh, infamous movie uh, not like what four years after this, and and that becomes a cult classic and ends up having its own you know movie uh, adaptation of sorts, and you know this this guy you know like despite a lot of the things he's doing and everything, you know he's a better person than than Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Uh, or, yeah. or, but maybe that's sort of, maybe that's sort of what made like, that's the problem <laughs> you can only, yeah, you can only laugh at him, you know, and, and kind of, this is going to sound rude, but pity his circumstances to a degree until you start to kind of see some of yourself. And, mm-hmm. and that's sort of what is, um, that's sort of where like the emotional poignancy of the movie is for me, uh, is that you get to the end of it and then you see these final clips of him as a young kid, making movies and, and, you know, having big dreams and everything. And, it, and it's just hard not, it's just hard not to uh, see any sort of parallel to, you know, to your own life and in, in regards to that um, for anyone who's ever, you know, wanted to, you know, do something that's outside of the norm. Um, and then I wanted to talk a bit about uh, uh, the, the filmmaker, Chris Smith, because uh, so he d- didn't really do anything. He didn't really do much for, you know, several years, but then he was uh, the director of one of these documentaries on the Fire uh, Festival mm. yeah. that was on uh, Netflix, I believe. Yeah, he was he was the director of the one that was on Netflix, and um, I mean, like like it really it, like it tells you a lot about how our society has changed. That like the the most horrific thing you know people can imagine. Uh, is that, oh my God, a bunch of people showed up for a party and there was no party. Oh, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of uh, very well-off people who are going to continue to be very well-off and taken care of. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a, a turn uh, from where, where he was because I, I didn't see his follow-up um, uh, home movie, um, which uh, looks like it was more about the, like, you know, this this sort of type of, uh, you know, kind of kooky middle America, maybe personality. Um, but yeah, his last two, I guess both have been Netflix. I, I did see the, uh, the Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman one, which I did like, um, which, which uh, used a lot of footage from the making of uh, an upcoming film on this, this podcast, May on the Moon. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that says <laughs> as far as like, about this guy like and i assume it's probably true of a lot of uh documentary filmmakers that they probably you know work on smaller stories about you know smaller people and then as they get maybe more claim and access then they <laughs> suddenly they're interviewing jim carrey about his portrayal of andy kaufman or you know the the fire uh music festival they're getting interviewed people who uh who are thieves and con artists and ask them like you know if anything's changed and the answer is probably no nothing has changed i'm just picturing a bunch of like you know rich people sitting around a campfire uh you know discussing the the whole fire festival thing and talking about it like it's like some sort of you know like it's the hook uh uh, the hook on the windshield uh, story or whatever. And <laughs> I didn't even know this Jim and Andy uh, documentary existed. That sounds great. I would, I would like to see that uh, I would, when we get to that uh, I would point. I recommend that. Yeah. yeah. For, for that as a companion. Cause it really, uh, uh, in, in this isn't a spoiler, but uh, cause I don't even know if it's in the film, but I, I, I believe I read that a lot of that footage was meant to be, uh, 
uh, a bonus feature, special features on you know Jim Carrey's performance and you know his method acting uh, for it. <laughs> they found it so unappealing <laughs> that they were like, no, 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 we can't, <laughs> we can't have our sort of sweet melodrama uh, have people like really question if they if if it was all worth it and if is Jim Carrey actually an asshole. So they just sort of <laughs> put a lid on that and then it comes out decades later on Netflix. But yeah, I would check it out as a companion. Well, they, to that they, they screwed Milos Foreman over again. <laughs> <laughs> Another loss for Milos. Um, so, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, this is kind of a sidetrack, but but I have always thought that uh, Funny People, the Judd Apatow movie, is a veiled portrait of, of Jim Carrey. And mm. that that's probably, you know, who he really is, is someone, you know, really kind of cloistered and um, and who, who other people would describe as an asshole. Um, <laughs> uh but that's kind of, we're kind of going. So yeah, okay. I'm going to say something. You're really gonna gonna be happy that you're gonna make. You're gonna be okay. so happy when I say this. Right. This documentary blows the other 1999 documentaries we've seen out of the water. One oh, day yeah. in September, you know, has got nothing on American movie. Uh, it, it is it, it is a shock uh, and a shame that that it didn't get an Academy Award nomination. Um, for, well, they for don't this want, year, they don't want these people in. They they definitely don't. I guess want not. Yeah, <laughs> Mark and family. They don't want Uncle Bill. <laughs> you know those type of people, uh, sharing the, the same craft, uh, as as they did. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Which that was big, uh, a big cause for uh, Roger Ebert, wasn't it? As far as like the uh, the the sort of preposterous like nominations uh, for for the documentary category uh, and how. Uh, exclusionary they were to to outside outside voices well from my understanding it, it's documentarians themselves that that you know that are kind of doing it that are they kind of like like and so literally it's you know other documentarians kind of shutting down people who who i guess they see as competition um you know <laughs> uh, which which makes them seem like really you know thin uh skinned uh vain mm-hmm people but yeah. you know i don't know it makes sense to me um there's no other explanation the 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 documentary branch of the academy is is run by documentarians i mean they can you know change things however they want to uh but it just sounds like they don't um so well now it, uh, i guess it doesn't matter because uh you know we have <laughs> uh chris smith here uh i guess having the the blockbuster documentary release of the year with one of those those fire <laughs> films like it's one that people actually did see uh which is amazing and i mean that that's a whole thing that's changed right like uh i don't know uh 20 years after the fact what american movies release pattern would have been but i would guess uh it would not have been theatrical at all like I, yeah I don't and that's think a shame that's a shame yeah, maybe um uh, but i do I, I do think that this particular genre you probably have way more eyeballs on it now than when they were like very, you know, limited release pattern, probably just in your major markets. And then eventually they trickle out to to video or DVD. Like, you know, there's very few like hoop dreams or anything of that nature that actually breaks out and becomes like a mainstream success. But now there, there does seem to be like a, uh, you know, it's exposed an appetite for documentary filmmaking on the streaming services. That's probably been the one genre that has, um, 
has been improved as far as like meeting, finding their audience because of streaming services. Yeah, but it, but you know, having it be a theatrical release, I think, elevates the whole story of Mark Borchardt and in a way that it that it doesn't, you know, when it just gets thrown <laughs> up on a streaming platform. Like like that's sort of the whole thing is Mark Borchardt. That's that's the ultimate irony of the movie is Mark Borchardt has these dreams of you know uh, of having movie of making movies that are up on the big screen and everything that people love and blah 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 and and ultimately it's a story about you know himself that ends up being you know the most uh the, the thing the most you know cinematically uh interesting thing about him uh and and you, you kind of wouldn't get that with, with with just putting on a streaming platform i would say it's better than videotape though mark like it's, it's better than VHS copies. <laughs> and that's how most people are going to see Coven. So, you know, you can just put a pipe in it. Well, I mean, I wasn't like quoting him or anything. It was really, this is represented, you know, my opinion. And I don't, you know, I don't want to get sued. Um, so, yeah, yeah. About this is, where people does... like him. Because like, when we're like, you know, uh, when I'm, I'm saying, hey, Tay Diggs was pretty bad in this. Uh, I'm sure he... <laughs> We'll never know and as unconcerned as an incredibly handsome, rich, successful, you know, actor. But when I'm uh, uh, picking on a guy who, you know, shares my love of movies and, you know, hates his job. And got his, oh, yeah, got his Michael Denniston. <laughs> well, how about you come out here and, you know, yeah. try to make this movie? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely respect. Uh, you know, that's one thing I've not touched on. I wanted to bring it up earlier. Uh, the, the main thing I respect about him is probably the thing that you know, if you're actually around him would get annoying pretty mm-hmm. fast mm-hmm. is, you know, he has to, he has to draw other people into his passion. Uh, and especially in this time period, like there, there would have been no way for you and I to have this conversation, uh, with, without, you know, the, the <laughs> I, I want to say the modern advancements of Skype, which <laughs> I don't know how much <laughs> they've advanced in the last decade, but we have that technology to reach out to people who are equally passionate about something that I don't have to like bother my friends and family with, but this guy has to pull in others. And you have some really great friends here, uh, who just seem like they're doing it just cause they want to hang out with him and like sort of the, the devil's pack they make is like, well, to hang out with him means I probably have to stand in the freezing cold and like wear this like cloak, and, you know, go stand and hold this pose for a little while. But they, they sort of go along with it because they're being supportive of their friend. But that's, that's the interesting thing about it is like he, I don't think the film ever like tries to convince you that he's like this charming uh, guy that has convinced everyone to come under his spell like that you know this is gonna be a great thing it seems like everyone else knows yeah this is not gonna work it's like but we're just gonna do it just because you know that's my friend and i'm gonna help him out but i don't think anyone but him truly believes that they're gonna they're gonna make money at this or that he's as you said he's gonna mm-hmm. get his, see himself on screen uh and that's you know that's i think that's where some people some people there'll be a divide there it's, it, it may come down to how much you like movies or how much that's your passion that you're seeing this guy really put his friends and family through the ringer uh, for something that is solely, solely his thing. And no one else has like fallen under under his sway in that regard. Do you think that a, the an average audience, someone who's, I mean, I don't know how many people who are not like really into movies are going to stumble on American movie. You're probably like, right, but I do think they would enjoy it if they did. Okay, so you you think that they would? They I think would once not in this guy, I think they w- wouldn't get in to see it mm. really. But but you know once in they would really enjoy it. So it's, you don't a, it's need... an effortlessly entertaining movie in many regards. 
So you don't need the the many charms of of Steve Martin to to convince someone to go along with this 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 charlatan here to get his movie made. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, you know how I feel about Steve Martin and, and uh, Bowfinger. Um, you know, and this and yeah, and, and it's like there is this weird. I don't know. I see Borchard as different than Tommy Wiseau or or Bowfinger, uh, and um, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking with that. But you did bring up an interesting point. You were talking about Skype and, y- you know, I watched a documentary on Amazon uh, called One Child Nation, uh, which it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was obviously about an important issue. Uh, but what was interesting to me was how much of the movie was just based around the the um, filmmaker's own town and just interviewing people in her own town. And it never really expanded beyond that. One of the interesting things about, you know, this movie and other great documentaries like it is that it usually involves a filmmaker living with their subject matter, you know, and following them around for, you know, years, as is the case with American movie. And you, you, you get incredibly, uh, uh, memorable things that you wouldn't otherwise, such as, this scene where where Borchardt is trying to get Uncle Bill uh, to uh, uh, to do ADR for um, uh, for Coven. So it's the first line of the film, man. It's got to be on the money here. It's all right. Uh... Okay, cut. All right, man. Shit. It's got to give it some passion too, man. And you gotta. It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Mm. Jesus told me so. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Cut. You got to bring oh, passion that's... to it. A message. It's a message. This it's... is the, for the shits and for the birds. Give it some passion. It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. You did it before. You could do it again. Okay. This is take eight. <coughs> it's all right. It's okay. Uh... Okay, that's fine. You gotta watch your teeth too, cause they clack a little bit when they loosen up in the mouth. And take ten. It's alright. It's okay. It's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Bill, you couldn't ask for anything better. I think it was recorded too high. Give it all you got. Uh, what take is this? 16. This is take sixteen. Let's go. Take thirty. It's all right. Hold up. Take thirty. It's all right. It's okay. This, uh, Jesus told me so. There's something to live for. Okay, cut. Take 31. Oh, is that enough now? <laughs> like, you wouldn't get that. Um, you, you wouldn't get that over Skype. Uh, you, you know, you wouldn't get that by... And, and on, on the commentary, they talked about how uh, that you know they were running out of film like constantly while while they were doing this and and there there is a certain like magic to it and all that that, that it's just incredible that all this stuff exists and and was you know out there and put together and and that that this hopefully this film will stand the test of time and I think it's about I think I think you know Criterion needs to like add this to to their collection like I don't know what, what's you know holding them back. Uh, I don't think anyone owns the rights or anything, but like who, who released this? this Sony movie? Pictures. So I mean, you know, let's let's get on let's that, get on it. <laughs> I, I don't know where that leaves us. I, I don't know if they put that on uh, uh, Crackle. I don't remember how I I watched this particular one. Uh, I used to own this on DVD, and I would not have sold this, but 
it's one of those uh, things that I would not expect someone to have borrowed and not returned, but it is one that has been lost to me. Uh, someone stole my copy of American Movie. Wasn't me. <laughs> I, I believe you on that. Uh, all right. So what is what is next? Uh, I, I'm going to predict this is a very Michael Denniston e uh, film. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, you'll have to give me a little bit more it, than that. It, involve, it involves a, a nasty habit, uh, one which uh, I used to do but have given up for many years, and uh, one which I suspect you, you do not partake in. So is this smoking? Yeah. Okay. Um, mom's. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, well, all right. See, I, I got my uh, dates crossed up. As far as what was next, so this is the. Well, I could be wrong. Am I wrong? Is it the Insider? I think they came out uh, the same day. Um, but yeah, this one. I, I was thinking you were going with, uh, you know, something that maybe was a little yes. more contrarian. Yes. The nasty uh, habit of murdering people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was where I was going. I'm like, okay, does someone like chew their fingernails in this, or what? What do we do in this? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Michael Mann's the Insider. I don't think that's. Uh, and you, you were know, getting you were getting that confused with the bone collector, just so we're <laughs> yeah. I was I was like, okay, I can go along with the bone collector. I was I was pretty enthusiastic to check out the general's daughter, so I could see where he's going with this. But uh, all right, yeah, the insider, Michael Mann. Okay, all right, yeah. here we go. If you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99